Our first lesson describes Peter and John, who had been arrested the previous day because they were proclaiming the news of the resurrection to the people. In today's reading, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit so that he is able to proclaim salvation in Jesus' name to the religious authorities. Our first reading is from the fourth chapter of Acts. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the words believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has now become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. I'm reading a book right now uh, by a Hawaiian pastor by the name of Wayne Cordero. Uh, in fact, our whole congregation council is reading the book. Our, our, uh, our leaders do time and leadership development every month in council meetings, and we read a book throughout the year. So right now we're reading this really great book called Doing Church as a Team. Uh, and in this book, early on, Pastor Cordero talks about a situation that was humorous from his youth and something that I would imagine many of you have experienced yourself, either watching it in somebody else or maybe experienced it yourself. But he talks about how uh, back when they were in college, he had a buddy that had a very important term paper due on Monday and how the guy worked like crazy on it because a big part of his grade depended on it. and It was a critical class and so forth. So he really, really put a lot into it, many, many hours in the library for hour after hour, proofreading it, double-checking, all that kind of stuff, spell check, grammar check, the whole nine yards, and, and he finally turns the paper in. <clears throat> and when he gets the paper back, the professor wrote on the cover of the term paper, good research, wonderful examples, great bibliography, grade F, wrong assignment. <laughs> now, that's funny if it happens to somebody else, but if it happens to you, it's not funny at all, right? Wrong assignment. But Pastor Cordero talks about the fact that we could take that little story and apply it to our faith lives individually and for the church. 
In other words, as he said, I don't want to find myself standing before the Lord on my judgment day and have the Lord look at me and say, nice house, great cars, good planning for retirement, good investments, responsible insurance program, great retirement plan, wrong assignment. Or maybe for us as churches, congregations. Great building, beautiful stained glass windows, magnificent pipe organ, friendly people, great fellowship dinners, good outreach program, very much involved in the inner city, feeding the hungry and, and clothing those who have nothing and, and good supportive missionary work and great programs, great staffing, great facilities, wrong assignment. Well, what is our assignment? What is our assignment, assignment individually as Christians and what's our assignment as congregations? Well, actually, I think in the broadest of terms, everybody here could, could answer that, I think. You know, with the, the, the macro picture, the big picture, the one-sentence summary statement, what's the church's mission? Well, it's the Great Commission, right? Y'all can quote the Great Commission probably for me, right? Uh, Matthew 28, 18 is one place we find it in the New Testament where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. Right? That's called the Great Commission. That's the mission of the church, to make disciples for Christ by baptizing and teaching them what Jesus commanded. We all know that. I don't know why congregations sometimes spend weekend retreats, month-long planning sessions, what have you, to come up with a mission statement. And we've got to redo our mission statement every five years and all this kind of stuff. All kinds of time in meetings, you know, wrong assignment. It's right there in the Bible. It's obvious. Our assignment is to make disciples for Christ. That is the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to make disciples for Jesus Christ. Baptize and teach. And what are we to teach? Everything that he commanded, what he's, did he command us? We call that the great commandment, right? Who knows what the great commandment is? Matthew 22, 38 is one place we find it. It's okay to speak up in church if you want. <laughs> Do what? Yes, uh, it's love, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. You know, in other words, with all that you are, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So the great commandment is love God, love self, love neighbor. Loving self, of course, in a healthy, good Christian piety kind of way, not a narcissistic kind of sickness, but in a healthy way. Love God, love self, love neighbor. In fact, a way to understand that is to say we are to love God with all that we are, and the way that we do that is by loving our neighbor and serving those in need, right? So... Our assignment is to make disciples for Christ. Great commission and great commandment. Love God by loving and serving others. What is the assignment then for Emmanuel Lutheran Church? What is the assignment for each of us as Christians today? 
Uh, fortunately, our gracious God has given us the sacred scriptures, the Holy Bible, so that each week in worship, we can, we can receive specific instructions that, you know, how do you fulfill this macro picture, great commission and great commandment? Well, each week we come together to worship, and there is an assignment for us. So the good news is, it's right here. So I'd like to, if you would, have you join me for a few minutes as we kind of review our scripture for this morning, look at them in reverse order, and see what kind of assignments uh, God has for each of us this day. First of all, from the gospel lesson in chapter 10 of John, where Jesus talks about the fact that he is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And as he talks about that, at verse 16, Jesus says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Now that's you and me. Because Jesus was talking to his disciples and to a Jewish audience, and he's saying to them, they're also, I'm going to send folks out to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish world, uh, and I'm also going to bring them into the fold. I'm going to be their shepherd as well, and I'm laying down my life for them as well. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and what? What are they going to do? Is it up there? Yeah, there it is. And they will listen to my voice. All right? So... A part of the assignment is to be listening for the voice of Jesus. Well, how do you listen to the voice of Jesus? Anybody have an idea? Where are we going to listen to Jesus? The Bible. Thank you very much. We can go to the New Testament and hear Jesus' words. Listen to what he's saying. How else? Prayer. Thank you very much. You may not answer any more questions. You were at the first service. He was at the first service. He knows the answers. Is that cheating on the assignment of the test? No, I don't. No, I'm kidding. No, no, thank you. Do what? The right. It is the right assignment. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. So listening to Jesus. Well, in the second reading we had from First John, First uh, John chapter three sixteen, another three sixteen. It's another marvelous Bible devotion, by the way. If you ever want to just take out your Bible sometime and say, where do I start? For fun one time, go through the Bible and look up every chapter 3.16. You know, John 3.16, everybody knows, right? Well, every chapter 3.16 is a very significant passage uh, in the Scriptures. This morning, from 1 John 3.16, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. In other words, for the other Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or deed, but do what? I mean, word or talk, sorry. But let us not love in word or talk, but what? In and in truth. In deed and truth. Faith without works is dead, right? And then if we skip toward the end of this, this uh, passage, verse 23 and 24, Jesus said, or John tells us, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Our assignment is to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps this command, his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us 
by the Spirit whom he has given us. So again, thinking in terms, what's God's assignment for us today? Verse 23, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. Now for most of our time, the rest of our time this morning, I want us to look at the first reading, because this is a very interesting story from the book of Acts, uh, and actually we've been, we've been dealing with it for the last couple of weeks in the lectionary. Marvelous story where we can see Peter living out the assignment. We see Peter modeling the assignment for us. Now, you may recall uh, from weeks past that the, the big context of this story, Peter and John, one day, now after Pentecost, Holy Spirit's come, churches started to grow, had 120 members, and all of a sudden there's 3,000, lots of stirring going on in Jerusalem. These Christians are starting to make waves. Peter and John, as it was their practice, 3 o'clock they head to the temple for daily prayers, and as they go through one of the gates into the temple, the, the beautiful gate, there's a man laying there who has been lame from birth. Now think about that. Here's a guy that's begging. He's crippled. And he's been laying there. He said family members, friends, somebody's from the time he was born bringing him there so he can beg for food, for alms, for money, so that he can survive, so he can eat and live. So think about that. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, this guy's laying there. There had to be thousands, not hundreds, thousands of people who recognize this guy, hopefully hundreds of them that had helped him, right? So lots of people know this guy. Well, here come Peter and John, and they're like, you know, the guy's laying there like, we may be here on the street corner. Hey, buddy, got a dime or a dollar nowadays, uh, you know, food for the poor. And Peter says, man, we're broke. We don't have any money. I don't got any gold or silver, but I'll give you what I have. And he looks him in the eye, he takes him by the hand, and he says, in the name of Jesus, arise, stand up, and be healed. And this guy that was lame from death gets up. He can walk. My gosh, he is filled with joy, excitement, dancing for joy, singing praises to God, thanksgiving to God. He goes with John and Peter into the temple for the prayers, and he's jumping up and down praising God. All these people are like, look, it's the guy from the gate. We know him. We know we, this is not somebody that was faking it and then got, you know, trying to pull a, a scam or something. We've known him all his life, and he's been healed. Why in the world? They're amazed. What's going on? And, 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 and finally, Peter seizes the moment, and he preaches a sermon, which we had last week in chapter 3. You know, it's not by anything I did or John did that this guy's healed. It was by what? the name of Jesus, that this man has been healed. And the message is this, that we proclaim to you the good news concerned with the forgiveness of sins and repentance in the name of Jesus. It is through Jesus that people receive the forgiveness of their sins. They're empowered to turn back to God and have a new life, a blessed life, a joyous life in the name of Jesus in Christ. And so there's a big story with the sermon and everything, right? And we continue the story at chapter 4, verse 1 this morning. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain and the temple of the, and the Sadducees came upon them. What? Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. 
right? And what had they been preaching? They had been preaching the good news of what God was doing in Jesus Christ through his death on Good Friday and his glorious resurrection that first Easter. And what had Peter been saying to the people? I know you all killed him. He's looking at people in the temple. I know you. I heard you screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Oh, I recognize you. You were there Palm Sunday waving your palms. Oh, yeah, praise God. Look who's here. The glory of God in the highest. Hallelujah. Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeah, and then on Friday you were screaming, away with this man. Give us Barabbas. Crucify. Oh, I remember you. Yeah, you all were saying crucify him too. You wanted to get rid of him. But Peter says, you know, he starts preaching. Yeah, that's the law. You all killed him. You killed the son of God. You killed the creator of the universe. But then he, that's the law. It gets our attention. Holy Mariah. Yeah, we're condemned under the law. It was us. But then he preaches the grace of God. But, but listen, God knows you did it in ignorance. It was all a part of the plan. So now, repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn to God who is coming to you in Jesus Christ and receive the blessed assurance of forgiveness and the new life in Christ, the promise of forgiveness of sins, victory over the forces of evil, eternal life. So Peter's preaching away like this, and here come the Sadducees and the other authorities, and they arrest them. They throw them in jail because it's late in the day by now. Next morning, the religious authorities, religious police and so forth, they have their big hearing. They bring John and Peter in, and what happens? Look down at verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the, that by the name of what? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What is our assignment this morning? What is the one thing I hope you all will remember this day? It's that there is no other name by which there is salvation than Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, there is no other name. There is no other name by which there is salvation. By which there is salvation. Than Jesus Christ. Than Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, what is that going to look like, <clears throat> excuse me, in our daily lives? Our assignment is to proclaim in this community that there's no other name by which someone is saved than Jesus, right? That's our assignment. 
no other name than Jesus. You all, Emmanuel Lutheran Church, Fayetteville, Arkansas, have an incredible opportunity. You're brand new. You have the opportunity to begin operating with the right assignment. Not the wrong assignment. The right assignment. Well, what, what is that going to look like? Well, it means as you continue to put this ministry together in every facet, every facet of the ministry, ask yourselves the question, how is this activity helping proclaim the name of Jesus in this community as the means of salvation? How is this ministry, how is this activity, how is this thing that we're planning to do, how is it tied in to the assignment? How is it fulfilling our assignment? And I hope you recognize that in our present day culture, this is not an easy assignment. Not easy at all. You know, for the first 200 years of our country, we were basically a Christian nation. And the Christian faith was very much uh, supported by and even at one with much of government. You know, our country was founded by folks who put in God we trust on the money in other places, who referred to God in our governing documents, our original documents. And when they said God, they meant the God of the Holy Bible. They weren't talking about just some supreme being or whoever you want to believe in. They were talking about the God of the sacred scriptures who has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. And uh, that's how the culture was. Many of you maybe have experienced remembering that. I'm old enough to remember when we uh, read the Bible in school. I, up to third grade, we had Bible reading in the pledge to start the day of school. Go back and look at some of the textbooks for English grammar from the last century. In the early part of the century, they'd have scripture passages. All right, what's the subject and predicate of this sentence? And it's a passage of scripture. Cheryl and I, on the way over here, we, uh, my wife Cheryl is back there, sorry, uh, we went to uh, Mountain View to do the tourist thing on the way here on Friday and went to that Ozark Museum, the, what, I can't remember the name of it, but anyway. Yeah, with all the neat things you walk around and see. And we were in one of the classroom buildings there, the little schoolhouse classroom, and I was looking on the wall, the expectations of teachers. Uh, like in 1872, it was like, for male teachers, you are allowed to court one night a week. If you go to church and read your Bible, you may court two nights a week, you know? And it was like you're teaching the Bible. You know, well, I'm not saying that that's, whether that's good or bad or say we need to go back to those days. I'm not saying that. That's a whole other discussion. But what I am saying is the culture supported Christianity, or at least they supported it, you know? People could pick up the Christian faith, you know, from neighbors and in the public schools, the Christmas parties and the Easter parties taught the stories back then. Not anymore. Not only so, I hope you would agree with me, you don't have to, but I hope you would agree with me when I, when I say not only is it not comfortable relationship with the state anymore in the church, the state is becoming hostile to the church. The religion of our, our, our society, the re religion of our communities very often is coexist. You know, like the bumper sticker, coexist, with all the different religious symbols on it. Um, it's, it's, it's universalism. Hey, it doesn't matter. Uh, and there are, there are even Christian denominations that teach that, you know, that God is a God of love and 
It's just as long as you believe in God, whatever that means to you, it's okay because actually God is like at the top of a mountain and there are many paths to the top of the mountain and, and the Jews get there one way and the Hindus get there another way and the Buddhists get there one way and Christians get there another way and the Muslims get there another way. And isn't it wonderful because we're all going to end up, after all, we're all going to end up in the same place when we die. Isn't that wonderful? Well, that sounds real good and it's very popular to preach that on the streets as opposed to saying there is no other name other than Jesus. But that's our assignment. And we go out there and start saying, there is no other name but Jesus. The world will react, and not always favorably. And the real challenge, as I'm sure you can well imagine, the real challenge is to be able to share with this community the good news that there is a God who has come to us in Jesus Christ in person, revealed himself to us. He is the good shepherd who laid his life down on the cross for us that there is no other name but to share that in love, you know, with compassion and love and caring and tact, you know, uh, to, to know what we're talking about and to be able to share it, not in a way that acts like we're elitist or condemning anybody, but motivated by love, we're moved to share this good news with them. That's the challenge. Our assignment is to proclaim the message that there is salvation in no one other than Jesus. And in order to do that effectively, it means we've got to equip ourselves. We've got to prepare ourselves individually, become better disciples of Christ ourselves, equipping ourselves to make disciples for Christ. And so that's where a disciplined life of daily Bible study and daily prayer and daily um, uh, doing activities that nurture faith in Christ and being intentional in our church plans, focusing on discipleship. And so, uh, you know, what, what have we said? The Great Commission, right? Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and building church buildings and bringing them in to eat donuts and drink coffee and have great, isn't that, isn't that where we started? So my, my challenge to you, my invitation and challenge to you, is to, as you're right from the get-go, to pursue what God is saying to you first. What is the assignment? How are we going to get the name of Jesus out there? There's a, a real popular book, last few years, Christian book called Radical, written by a pastor, Platt. He's a Baptist minister out of Birmingham. Uh, and while... I would argue with a few points with him. He's Southern Baptist, so some of the stuff in the book, he makes it sound like a law. You've got to do this, and you've got to do that. And we'd say, no, you get to do that. And you, know, you get to do this, you get to do that. You don't got to. But he does make one really good point, and one of, the, one of the many good points he makes in that book. And it's a very challenging book. I'll commend it to you. It's called Radical. Um, but in one, one part of the book, he talks about how congregations and individuals get very involved doing a lot of good things. I mean, lots of good things, things to be proud of, things that are helping people, things that are loving people, you know. But because we're so involved doing good things, we're missing out on the great things God is actually calling us to do in that place. So stay with me now. I'm not trying to push you the wrong way. 
I'm here because I love you, and I want you to hear this, is be careful that at Emmanuel, we don't get so involved and busy recreating what we had, making sure we got all the same programs we had at Good Shepherd, that we're not listening to God. What is God calling you to do here and now? You know, we can be so busy with the social programs and making sure we're still doing what we were doing. We missed what God was calling us to do. Youth ministry. You know, youth ministry is, yeah, we want to go to Six Flags and we want to have mission trips for the kids and confirmation camp and, and great fun activities at the church. But are we intentional about incorporating discipling in those gatherings? Becoming familiar with what it means that we're sa- there's salvation only in the name of Jesus and what that means and how to talk about that and share that. Because the truth of the matter is, from coast to coast, we have failed. Christian church, all denominations, we have failed to disciple our own kids and our grandkids for the most part. We were brought up, and there's nothing wrong with this, but we were all brought up that to make disciples for Christ meant to make church members. And that's, okay. that's what we were taught to do, and we did a good job of that. The culture kind of helped us, and so our job was to get people to join the church and be baptized and become active, show up every once in a while, throw some money in the plate, serve on a committee, do some good things in the community. And we were doing that, you know? And we'd, we'd get our kids confirmed, and, and they'd maybe come back and get married in the church and have kids, and they'd get involved and do these things. But as far as really being passionate followers of Jesus Christ, and being intentional about training myself to make a disciple for Christ, somebody who really wants to follow Jesus and is committed to Jesus and what that means. We, didn't, we weren't doing that. And every denomination from coast to coast is finding it out. There is not a county in the United States where Christianity is growing in real terms as a percent of the population in real terms. Even the big churches, the mega churches, thousands of members, They've seen it, and they said, holy mackerel, they're going out the back door as fast as we get them in the front. We made church members, not disciples. Everybody's going back. We've got to be making disciples. So the problem with having two services is, you know, you think of a lot of more good things to say the second service than the first service, and you say, hey, they don't have to get to Sunday school, so I can just keep going, so I'll stop. But But let me close by saying two things. One, the one thing that I hope you walk out of here with today is the word from God that says there is no salvation in any name other than Jesus. There is no salvation in any name other than Jesus. And that actually is good news. The second thing is allow me to give you an assignment, if you would. This week, during the next six days, sometime, pray about these things. Go to God in prayer and ask God to speak to you and say, God, how in my area of interest at church, how in my area of involvement at Emmanuel, am I to make sure that we are proclaiming the name of Jesus as the way to salvation? What's God saying to you? And then secondly, call somebody else, talk to somebody else from Emmanuel, hook up with somebody else from Emmanuel, and say, 
with the areas we're working in, how do you see us doing a more effective job of proclaiming the name of Jesus as the means of salvation in our area of ministry? All right? Will you do that for me? Thank you. I knew you would. And may the Holy Spirit add blessings to these words for Jesus' sake. Amen.